Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need You to reveal Yourself. God, we we come to You with broken hearts and minds that are cluttered and empty hands. But God, we come to You. We know that You are sufficient and You are enough, God. And so we come as poor spiritual beggars asking You to reveal Yourself to us through Your mighty Word. God, could You do that in this time? Could you give us a picture of yourself and your son through your spirit? Of you high and lifted up, God, that we could behold your glory and drink of your grace, God. Could that happen in these moments? Amen. Folly. Folly is often epitomized when one looks back upon the things or upon the happenings or the events of one's childhood. We lived on a gravel road growing up, and it was about this time of year, the snow has melted now, it was about this time of year that the road would become snow-packed. This gravel road didn't get plowed that often, the tractors and the trucks would run up and down on it, and it'd get really packed, and it would be snow-packed from now until about late April, and then it would turn to mud for about a month. But during this time, it was perfect, and it was smooth, and it was perfect for sledding, except for one thing. It was flat. But there was an easy remedy to that. You needed a crazy dad with a truck or a tractor. And what he would do is he'd haul us out. We wouldn't have hats or gloves or anything like that, typically. And he'd bring us out and he'd stretch out a length of rope and he'd cut it off and he'd tie it to the back of the three-point hitch on the tractor or the back of the truck and he'd tie it off to this rickety old sled that we'd find in the garage and he'd pop the clutch and off he'd go flying down the road behind Dad. And it sounds great except for one thing. Dad has brakes and you on the sled, you don't. So you're cruising down the road and you have to watch out. you got a cows and a pasture on this side and trees and a stream on this side and rocks over here and telephone poles over there. But you got to be ready to jump. Otherwise, because when Dad stops and you keep going, you're going to eat the bumpers. you got to be ready to jump. And we look back upon these things. You guys have your own stories about your crazy parents. And you you realize you do it because you trust Him. You do it because you have faith in Dad. And you're able to do these things because of your faith in Him. You think about it and you go, that makes no sense whatsoever. But as a kid, oh, you have childlike faith and you trust Him. Foolish as it may be when you talk about it and when you think about it. But that's the same type of thing that we're going to see in our text here this morning is that it's that same type of trust. It's that same type of faith that we must have not only in our earthly fathers who fail us, but in our heavenly Father who is eternally good. So that's the main point that we're going to be driving home is that you must have faith. You must have faith. Not... You, like humanity in general, or people in general, but you, sitting here today, this morning, you must have faith. So we're going to see that in three different parts, not surprisingly, a three-part sermon. The first part here is verses 14 through 21. You see works by faith. What are these works? How are they done? Ah, they're works by faith. Works by faith. 
That's verses 14 through 21. And then a little bit lower, verses 22 through 23, we're going to see that we are redeemed. How are we redeemed? By faith. By faith we are redeemed. And then finally, in verses 24 through 27, we are going to see that we are sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. By faith. It's the main idea that we're going to be driving home and I hope I hope it resonates with you. I hope that God reveals it to you. That you must have faith. We're going to be seeing the works by faith. That we are redeemed by faith. And then finally, we are sons and daughters by faith. By faith alone. Let's go back to the text here. Verses 14 through 21 here. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed and he was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why? Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Up till now, our circuitous route through the ministry of Christ that Matthew has brought us on has brought us through many uh, peaks and through many valleys. Through many peaks and many valleys. We have this peak with the virgin birth of Christ. Soon afterwards, we have this valley and what is called the massacre, the slaughter of the innocents with King Herod is killing all of the babies two years old and under in Bethlehem. Then we have us brought again on another peak with the Sermon on the Mount. We hear this wonderful, the greatest sermon ever given. And then we're again brought low with the beheading of John the Baptist. And then last week, Adam, he brought us high once again with the mountain transfiguration. And just as Moses had seen the glory of God up on the mountain, and just as Elijah was up on the mountain and he saw the glory of God, so too did the disciples see the glory of God when they were up on the mountain in Christ. They saw the glory of God in Christ Himself. And not only that, but Christ revealed Himself to be the true prophet that the people were longing for. Read Deuteronomy 18.15. It says, the Lord your God will rise up, raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. What, is, what does he say? You shall listen to him. And here is Christ, a prophet, bringing forth the word of the Lord from, from men, being brought up from his brothers. And this says, here's this thundering voice rolling down from the mountain. And it says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You shall listen to Him. He's the prophet that the people should have been longing for. But just as we see the peaks turn in the valley, so too does Christ and His disciples come back down into reality. Moses, 
He descended down from the mountain into this chaos with two golden calves. And out came these golden calves, right? So to Elijah, he descended back down the mountain and what? King Ahab was still King Ahab and Jezebel was still King Ahab's wife. So too you have Christ here in our text. Descending back down the mountain into the chaos and into this demonic reality of spiritual oppression. And it's here that we encounter this son who's possessed by a demon. And this, this demon would give him seizures and it would throw him into the fire and it would throw him into the water. And undoubtedly, the father's love compelled him to go look for Christ. He had come to his end and there he was searching for Christ. Maybe that's you this morning. But when he gets there, what happens? There is no Christ to be found. Right? Christ, he's still up in the mountain with Peter, James, and John. So, however, there's still these nine other disciples there, right? Who were left at the bottom of the mountain when Christ went up. So he, he talks to them and they give it their best shot. And we don't know what they said or how they went about it, but we do know that it was to no avail. And the very thing that forbade them to go up the mountain with Christ is the very thing that made them unable to cast out these demons, rendered them unable to cast out these demons. And that was their lack of faith. So then afterwards, they came to Christ and they, they asked Him, why could we cast, why could we not cast it out? And He says, He tells them, verse 19, because of your little faith, Because of your little faith. And we see that it is only through faith that one is able to do the works of God. Up till now, as we've been reading and preaching through Matthew, we've been seeing those who have been commended by their faith. We see the paralytic. He is brought to Christ on the mat. And those who are bringing them, it was those those are commended for their faith. And Christ says, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. Get up. Take your mat. Go home. And then it was not only this paralytic that was commended for their faith, but it was also the woman who is hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. She's suffering. But Jesus turned and seeing her, said, Take heart, daughter. Your what? Your faith. Your faith has made you well. But now what we see in our text, it's actually the, the, the other side of the coin here. It's this lack of faith that is hindering the disciples from casting the demon out. So let's take a step back. And let's just see what, what is faith in general. We know from Hebrews, you guys know it, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. But when we fix our eyes upon Christ, this coming Christ, as the people of God have always done, we act and we act through faith. And so we have assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things that we do not see. So we have Abel, who is able, Abel, who is able to offer this offering to God. How? And how does he do it? Through faith. Noah, he builds an ark. How does he do it? Through great engineering? No. How does he do it? Through Faith. Sorry, Justin. So we have Rahab. How she welcomes in the spies. And how does she do it? 
Because she's brave and she's cunning? No, no, no. She does it through faith. Abraham, Adam was talking about it during Sunday school. Abraham leaves the land of Ur, starts walking step after step. Does he know where he's going? No, he doesn't know. But how does he do it? Through faith. Genesis 22. He offers his son, his only begotten son, as an offering on Mount Moriah. How does he do it? Through faith. Through faith. And this is just the people of God in general. So whether it's Abel, Abraham, Rahab, David, Solomon, Moses, Joseph, you get the picture. Dennis, Patrick, David, you guys. If you act and you're doing the things of God, how are you to do it? Ah, you do it through faith. Through faith alone. So with this little bit of understanding, let's go back to our text here. We see that the disciples could not cast out the demon. Why? Because of their little tact, because of their little faith, but we could see that Christ certainly was. And you see the little dilemma that we have here in the text. It says that they couldn't do it because of lack of faith, but what can you do with a little bit of faith? Well, you can move mountains. See what's going on. And what we have here is that the disciples actually have too little of faith. They have too little of faith. The same thing you see with Peter when he's walking on the water. Christ calls him out of the boat and he's walking on the water. And he begins to sink and he cries out to Christ and Christ grabs his hand and he pulls him up and he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He had too little of faith to do it. And so it's not just that the disciples had little faith, they had too little of faith to do what was required. So then you ask yourself, Well, how much do I need this? How much faith do I need? And not only that, am I the one who cast, cast out demons or am I the one that can move mountains? Which one am I? And you see here the critical question that you must get to is do I have faith? Answer that question and you'll answer everything else. Do you have faith? When you know if you have faith, then you're going to be able to do these works of God. And do you know why you can do these works of God? Do you know why? Because it's not in and of yourself, but it is then when you have faith that it is Christ and God and the Holy Spirit working through you. Paul writes to the Philippians, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It is God working through you. So you need a little bit of faith and then you have this almighty God who is working through you. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Just a little bit of faith. You can do anything that is in and of His will. So what does this mean then for your life? Perhaps you don't encounter many demoniacs when you come walking down from mountains. What does this mean for you and for your life? I hope you see that Every aspect of your life requires faith. So how do, you, how do I bear the burden of my children when I see them walking away from the faith that I raised them in? The God that they created, they no longer worship. The God that created them, they no longer worship. They're reminded that their heart has grown cold. And how can you bear that burden? How can you do it? 
You can't. You simply, you can't. Apart from faith. Apart from faith. But through faith, you can. Not only your children, but what, how do you continue to love your spouse after all of the pain that they have brought to your life? Some of you, you fought with your spouse last week. Some of you, I've heard it been rumored to say, uh, had a fight on the way to church, right? And some of you are sitting here, in all reality, you're wondering if you married the wrong person because of the pain that they have brought to your life. But how do you continue to forgive them? How do you continue to love them when time after time, the moment you become vulnerable to them, your heart gets impaled once again? How do you do it? Ah, through faith. You can't do it in and of yourselves. You can't. But it is only through faith and through faith alone. So to do anything that God would require us to do, we need faith to do it. So even if you're able to do this act even in and of itself, ah, Without faith, it's a sin. If you're able to do the act without faith, it's another sin. So go ahead, have at it in and of yourself. Conjure up more sins in and of your in your life. So I hope you're beginning to see in the beginning of this text here that you must have faith. But even the smallest amount is more than enough because it is God working through you for His goodwill. So now we're going to be looking and seeing that how are we redeemed by faith? Not just working by faith, but how are we redeemed by faith? Let's go back to the text here. Verses 22 and 23. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill Him, and He will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. What we have here is this second great proclamation, this clear proclamation of what is going to happen to Christ when He is going to be soon arriving into Jerusalem. And here you have in these texts, in these proclamations, that He's going to be handed over by this hands, to the hands of men and they're going to kill Him and He's going to be raised on the third day. What you have here is proof that it is the providential work of God that is going to be unfolding in these later chapters as we get to the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is His providential work of God. So let's take a look at it. He says, The Son of Man is about to be handed delivered into the hands of men. Matthew 26. And Judas. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come to do. They came up, they laid their hands on Jesus, and they seized Him. The providential work of God. What else does He say? He says they will kill Him. We'll look forward again to Matthew 27. Verse 35, it says, And when they had crucified Him, they divided His garments among them by casting lots. Then go down to verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all of the land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, laba sabatakni. I can't say it. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. 
And what does he say? And then on the third day, he will be raised again. Matthew 28. But the angel said to the woman, that is Mary Magdalene and Mary, do not be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus. You seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come see the tomb where he lay. So Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to be doing. He was handed over to the, into the hands of men. Yes. He was killed. Yes. He was crucified. He was raised on the third day. Yes. He proved himself to be God. He proved himself to be able to conquer death. And thus, you don't even have to fear death. You sitting here, you don't even have to fear death. But you know what? All of this means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Unless you have faith. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, By grace you have been saved through faith. Not the result of works. Not our own doing, but as a gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one should boast. So this grace is this unmerited love of God, and faith is a conduit through which God gives it to us. And thus, without faith there is no grace, and without grace there is no hope, my friends. You must, you must have faith. I hope you see the implications here. When we do all this study of, of God, in His Word, we see the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the beauty of God. And it all means nothing. It means nothing if you don't have faith. It means absolutely nothing. And sure, all of us have, have faith in, in something. Some in science, or government, or economic structures. Many of us, we have faith in and of ourselves. But the object of your faith must be none other than Jesus Christ. You must believe in Jesus Christ. Faith and belief, same thing. Believing is just a verb. Faith is a noun. Same thing in the, in the language. We must believe in Jesus Christ. You must have faith in Jesus Christ. And all of us believe in something. We were actually, we were talking to the, during the school of theology that God he doesn't believe in atheists. All of us believe in something, don't we? All of us believe in something, but your object of faith must be Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So let's not overcomplicate this. What do you believe? Well, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to Scripture. And in this moment of spiritual sobriety that we have as we come to on worship on Sunday morning, I hope you see your utter helplessness and your hopelessness apart from faith in Jesus Christ. The fact that you can do anything, you can do the very works of God, you can move mountains, means nothing without faith in Christ. The fact that you can conquer death through Jesus Christ, well, that means nothing apart from faith. I would contend your life means nothing. You will have no significance beyond this life except burning in hell apart from Christ and faith in Him, believing in Him. Your life is nothing without faith. 
but with faith. You have everything, don't you? Don't you see it? Isn't it beautiful? You can turn inward and and not have faith. You can have faith in yourself, but oh, look to someone else. Look to God. Look to Christ and have faith and faith in Him alone. Oh, and then you'll have everything that your heart desires. And I pray that you realize you, you will come to your end and that your life has been in vain. But when this happens, do not fear. We don't discriminate. Christians don't dis- discriminate. Anyone, anyone who confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and what? And believes as faith in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I pray that the dread of your own sin is falling upon you. That God reveals it to you and you have utter desperation apart from faith and faith in Christ alone. So what do you do? You pray. You pray to the God of all creation that He will give you this faith. That you will not be swept away in this great tide of the judgment of God. Before we conclude with these final four four verses, I pray that you have been able to see the necessity of faith. That you must have faith. You want to do anything? You want to do works? You want to do the great works of God? Ah, then you must have faith. This is not a, a sermon series about moving mountains and how you can do so much. No, no, no. This is a, we look to Christ and Christ alone. You must have faith. You must have faith. But this is not only true as foreigners that we must have faith, but this is true that even through faith we can become sons of God. Let's go back to the text and finish these four verses here. When they came to Capernaum, verse 24, when they came to Capernaum, the the collectors of the, the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him, First, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself here. Now each, each male, every male 20 years older, every year they had to give a half shekel for the operation of the upkeep of the temple. This is true not only for Jews that would live in, in Israel, but also those who were still in the scattered abroad. They would be paying this tax for the operation of the upkeep of the temple. And this is the basic syllogism, the basic logical argument that Christ is arguing. This is what we have here. You have this assumption that the tax is paid to the house of God. And here's the assertion. You see what Jesus is doing. He's declaring Himself to be what? The Son of God. That's the assertion. So then you have the conclusion, well, if this is paid, this tax is paid to the house of God, and I'm a Son of God, therefore, I don't have to pay the tax. They're not due to pay the temple tax because they are sons. Yet, through the provision of Christ, they do pay it, so as to not cause offense, it says. 
So this is also true of you. We can ask, as a son, as a son through faith, the Son of God through faith, is there a burden due upon me? Is there a tax due upon me? And the answer is no. But the burden that was borne by Christ and by Christ alone. In Galatians 3, Paul writes, you are all sons of God. How? You are all sons of God. How? What's the main thing? Through faith. Through faith. You are sons of the living God through faith. And not faith in anything else. Faith in Christ Jesus. You. Sitting here. How glorious is that? Isn't that wonderful? We sit here. So solid, are we? This is wonderful news, my friends. You are sons of God, not in and of yourselves, not in your dead flesh, but through Christ and through Christ alone. Amen to that. I know we're whites. Sorry, Jeff. I know we're mostly white, Jackie, but amen to that. Right? This is glorious news, my friends. You, rotting away in your sin, are sons of God, daughters of God through faith. Can't be taken from you. You can't do it in and of yourselves. But it is through faith and through faith in Christ alone. So whether it's the works of God, what do you need? You need faith. Whether you're going to be redeemed from your sin, how are you going to be doing it? How is it going to happen? In and of yourself? No. Through faith. You want to be a son of the living God who created everything out there that we see? How does that happen? Through faith. I pray that you might have this saving faith. That you might drink of this glorious grace of God. Pray. Pray, my friend, that He might grant it to you. Let's pray. Living God, we are so weak in and of ourselves, but we come to You and we ask that You would give us faith. We can't conjure it up ourselves. All we can do is sin all the more against You, God. Could You give us faith? Give us new faith. Give us fresh faith to God. Those who have none, I pray that You would grant it. And for us who have some, God, I pray that You would grant it all the more. That we could see You in Your beauty. That we would delight in the fact that we are Your sons and Your daughters through faith and through faith alone. Amen.